Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to episode nine of Hollywood and Levine. A very special episode. This is my bitchy, snarky, annual Oscar review. Warning, some of the things I may say may not be politically correct. Just know it's a joke. I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. All right, let's get on with it. Hollywood and Levine. In a year of alternate facts, congratulations to La La Land for winning the Best Picture Oscar. (laughs) Holy crap. Maybe the greatest clusterfuck ending an Oscar cast will ever have. I mean, they're going to be talking about this one for years. Now I have to wonder if I really even won that Emmy a few years ago. Anyway, my question is, if Jordan Horowitz, that La La Land producer, didn't so graciously announce that Moonlight had actually won and he had just gotten off the stage and the show had ended, what would have happened then? I mean, now you wonder if Manchester by the Sea didn't actually win. Or Deadpool. Donald Trump is going to be very pissed. People are not talking about him today. By the way, I fully expect him to tweet congratulations to the best picture winner triumph of the will. And I'm still really not certain exactly what happened. I mean, from what I understand, Price Waterhouse had two envelopes for every winner. So when they handed the envelope to Beatty and Dunaway, that was for Emma Stone's Best Actress, rather than the envelope for the Best Picture. And that's why I guess Beatty uh, sputtered and was confused and was wondering what was going on. But still, Dunaway could have read the Emma Stone part, too, and just said, hey, this is the wrong envelope. I'm also confused at how Horowitz got hold of the correct envelope. Beatty apparently was given the wrong envelope by a now unemployed member of Price Waterhouse. Of course, what was it doing there in the first place? Now, the fact that Warren Beatty looked lost, well, that didn't surprise me at all. That is pretty much the way he is at the Beverly Glendelly. And Faye Dunaway, who announced the wrong winner, well, she has an excuse. She can just say it wasn't her. Because whoever that woman was on stage, she was unrecognizable as Faye Dunaway. She could claim that was Jeffrey Tambor from Transparent. Jimmy Kimmel was clearly pissed, signing off with, I'll never do this again, when actually I thought he did a pretty nice job. I would say uh, next time, though, just, you know, don't take an Ambien before going on stage. Getting back to the fuck-up of all fuck-ups... Uh, I'm sure the administration is going to blame it on illegal academy voters, but putting that snafu aside, that was quite an upset. La La Land was considered a lock, although no one I know actually loved that film. Most, myself included, were completely underwhelmed. The stars can't sing, and that's sort of important in a musical. Hey, my friend John Weisman had a great tweet. He said, La La Land just became the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't think Faye Dunaway is going to be hosting the match game anytime soon. But you really have to feel for those producers of La La Land that had the rug pulled out from under them. But honestly, 
weren't you kind of amused after all of those lofty acceptance speeches? They said that we were fools to dream. This was a brave and courageous journey, yada, yada, to have someone then go, uh, sit down, you lost. And remember the year that Steven Spielberg was so pissed when Shakespeare in Love beat out Saving Private Ryan? Remember? And he had just won an Oscar a moment before for the best director, which is quite an honor, I would say. Well, if he were in this situation, I think Barry Jenkins would have to wrestle him to the ground to get the Oscar out of his cold, dead hands. And how much do you think the bar bill was for the La La Land after party? (laughs) On the other hand, this is why we watch this tedious award show every year, because every so often you see something completely unexpected and jaw-dropping, and you just know it's live. That's what makes for great television, and now it's one of the few shared experiences that we all have, other than mass protests. Speaking of Trump bashing, uh, it was pretty much kept to a surprising minimum. You know, not that any of his supporters were watching anyway, I bet the only show that gets a lower rating in Alabama is the Chabad Telethon. But I did like Kimmel's line that the show is airing in more than 225 countries that now hate us. Meanwhile, the Iranian director who won for The Salesman, remember, but didn't come because he didn't want to spend two weeks in a holding cell, prepared a stinging statement. But unless they replay it on Fox News, no one who matters will have heard it. And I bet there were more Trump jokes, but when Jimmy Kimmel just mentioned Ivanka and it got an audible groan, I suspect they wisely pushed them aside. Well, it was very tough for the creative community this year. I mean, really, they were facing an agonizing dilemma. How can you acknowledge the dangerous state of our world and not let it spoil your good time? And remember, this is Hollywood. Remember when President Reagan was shot the morning of the Academy Awards? Well, the blazing headline in the next day's variety was Oscar cast postponed. Underneath, in much smaller letters, was President of the United States shot. Gives you some perspective on this town. So the solution this year, wear blue ribbons with ACLU and then just hit the bar. Okay, as for the show itself, well, first let me back up a moment or two about the red carpet shows. How many of you miss Joan Rivers? I do. How many of you miss Melissa Rivers? Hands. Anybody? Hello? Did you ever notice that Gail King is Oprah's Melissa Rivers? And I guess KTLA Channel 5 in Los Angeles was not allowed to really interview many red carpet guests this year. And they did a three-hour show featuring their usual hosts, Sam Rubin, the footstool to the stars, and dashboard bobblehead Jessica Holmes. But mostly it was canned features and not live interviews, which is really too bad because they're usually good for at least five staggeringly stupid questions. However... Picking up that mantle, God bless her, was Kristen Smith for ABC's coverage. She asked Casey Affleck why so many films filmed in Boston. 
<laughs> okay. And to Emma Stone, she said, La La Land is about dreamers. What advice do you have for dreamers? Emma said, uh, uh, that's a big question, you know. And it's, it's still just not the same without Sam Rubin gushing, well, every star in the galaxy is here. And Jessica Holmes mispronouncing everyone's name, including her own. Well, the show got off to a good start with Justin Timberlake doing his nominated number from Trolls, except that the celebrities looked so awkward clapping and dancing. They're not there to party. They're there to win their goddamn hardware, to look better than anybody else, get shit-faced, take their $30,000 swag bag, and go home to yell at the help. But you know they started the show with Timberlake, you know, to get the kids. Jimmy's monologue, I thought, was breezy and mostly funny. Meryl Streep was a good sport. You know, she's kind of becoming the new Jack Nicholson. It's as if every host now plays just to her. The set itself originally looked like urine town, but then it changed like every 10 minutes. Giant gold clamshells, Mastro's without the stakes, shimmering blue Oscars, a giant waffle iron. Apparently, at 11.30 in the morning on Sunday, some giant set piece crashed to the ground. No one was hurt, although I'm sure the producer wished that it landed on Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway. Back in a minute, but first, I was glad that Randy Thomas was back as the announcer. Don't you just imagine when she's announcing that it's your name? What would it be like if she were announcing your name? Tonight, Ken Levine picks up his first Academy Award for the screenplay of The Me Generation by Me, growing up in the 60s. When I saw Faye Dunaway as a presenter Sunday night, and I hadn't seen her in a while, my first thought was, but then I wondered if she uses Blue Apron. Now, you know about Blue Apron, right? It is this ingenious service where they send all of the ingredients for a great meal right to your house. You just follow very easy instructions, and you can make spectacular home-cooked meals in less than an hour. All of the ingredients are fresh. That's the key thing. The dishes are either simple or exotic. You can customize, cook for two or more. There's great variety. In fact, they don't repeat the same recipe for a year. Listen, I can do it, and trust me, I can't cook. So anyway, when Faye Dunaway was up there, I just kind of pictured her at home in her kitchen on a Tuesday night, just whipping up a meal and wearing the same gown that she wore at the ceremony. You know, it was her chef's night off or he was deported or something, and she's following the instructions, now add the onions. Listen, if I can prepare salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli, so can one of the great divas of Hollywood, although she's going to have to take off some of her jewelry if she wants to stir. So be honest with me. For the Oscars... You ordered in pizza, right? Huh? Or Chinese food, 
or deli platters. Yeah, I know. And you ate chips and dips and brownies and all the food left over from your Super Bowl party. And now you're paying the price. Well, it is time to eat healthy, my friend. And trust me, Blue Apron is the best way to do it. Like I said, fresh ingredients delivered right to your door. Takes less than an hour to cook. Want to try it? Want to try it for free? Well, as a special offer to my podcast listeners, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping simply by going to blueapron.com slash Hollywood. Let me repeat that, blueapron.com slash Hollywood. You will love how it tastes. You will love how it feels to be healthy. That is blueapron.com slash Hollywood. Who knows? Tonight, you could be eating the same dinner as Faye Dunaway. Hollywood and the Vine. Welcome back to my Oscar review. I thought Mahershala Ali gave a very heartfelt acceptance speech. You know, many of the speeches were lovely this year. However, I did not appreciate when that one winner was rushed off the stage just as he was talking about his mother dying. You know, that was not really cool. Uh, I did love the guy, and uh, he went for music, but he thanked his mom for taking him out of soccer and letting him be in a musical. I thought that was great. The best documentary went to O.J. Made in America, although I wonder if he thought the one about him was I Am Not Your Negro. Most of the women looked spectacular this year, notably Brie Larson, Alicia Vikander, resplendent in her size zero Louise Vuitton, Scarlett Johansson, and Naomi Harris. My daughter Annie has a good rule. No movie over three hours should be eligible for best editing. You know, the first time they dropped candy from parachutes, it was kind of a cute bit. By the third time, it was a little tedious. And hey, I think it's time to put the Jimmy Kimmel-Matt Damon feud to bed. Don't you think, guys? Janelle Monet came dressed as a TV test pattern, and Michelle Williams came as Mia Farrow on her wedding night to Frank Sinatra. Now, the scariest moment of the night had to be when the celebrities had to actually confront real people. Now, they did a bit where a tour bus group was ushered into the auditorium. They didn't know that they were going to be going to the Oscars, and suddenly they find themselves there in the middle of the ceremony. And the looks on some of the faces of the actors were just priceless. I mean, many looked absolutely panicked. Now, some of the stars were good sports. Denzel, who, by the way, did not appear to be loaded this year, Ryan Gosling and uh, Mahershala Ali all had fun with it, and others sat there like they needed volunteers to take a hill. And it's interesting, too, that all of these people are experiencing this unbelievable moment in their lives, and what are they doing? They're taking pictures on their iPhones. The most uplifting moment? was when Katherine Johnson, the real-life mathematician for NASA and the inspiration behind Hidden Figures, was brought out on stage, and that almost made up for the long-winded, ponderous acceptance speech by Viola Davis. I mean, I like Viola Davis, and she's an amazing actress. Uh, The award was certainly well-deserved, but what the fuck was that speech all about? Artists are the only profession that celebrates what it means to live a life. Uh, Okay, so 
That means if you're not an artist, you don't count, you don't exist. I'm really not that sure. You know, it kind of reminds me, Jerry Lewis once had a very short-lived talk show, and he would end it every night. By every night, I think they did four of these. But he would end it every night by saying, the greatest thing that I could wish for you is that you have show business people as your friends. Boy, that's what this kind of reminded me of. Viola started out by saying that all stories come from dead people. That I didn't really understand either. And she ended by turning into Norma Desmond. And I want to thank the craft services person. Get off the stage. How do I describe Leslie Mann's dress? Huh. It's like if you tried to gift wrap a vacuum cleaner. And how many times did they cut to a reaction shot from someone in the audience and you said, who's that? Don't you notice that it is happening more and more? The Best Makeup Award this year went to Suicide Squad for dyeing actors' hair different colors. Michael Shannon is starting to look like Jaws from those James Bond movies. Ali'i Crovalho, I think did a beautiful job of singing that song for Moana. Amazing poise for a 16-year-old and very, very beautiful. I imagine Faye Dunaway will be in her plastic surgeon's office Monday morning saying, This time, give me that face. Shirley MacLaine, I thought, had the best line of the night. She said, That was the greatest reception in 250,000 years. (laughs) All those past lives, and she winds up Warren Beatty's sister. I loved the New York Times ad. What happened to Halle Berry? She has turned into Diana Ross. Lots and lots of standing ovations this year. It was like a Jewish high holiday service. After a while, people just got tired of it, and you could see them wrestling with, "Uh, should I? It's only the old lady from NASA. No, I'll save it for when La La Land wins Best Picture. Amy Adams is turning into Jessica Rabbit. And okay, Zootopia was a very good cartoon, but did it make the world a better place? I don't think so. That would probably be the Batman Lego movie. Hey, did Nicole Kidman also have her arms done? The In Memoriam piece was actually very moving this year. Sarah Bareilles singing Joni Mitchell's Both Sides Now offered, I thought, just the right blend of sadness and celebration. And don't you always wonder who is going to get the pimp spot? Which death Hollywood considers to be the most significant? Well, in this case, it was nice to see that Carrie Fisher finally upstaged her mother. Happy that Kenneth Lonigan and Barry Jenkins won the two Best Screenplay Oscars. Leave it to writers to give eloquent, brief speeches without claiming that only artists can give meaning to life. The Academy went overboard on diversity this year, and even then, Will Smith can't get a nomination. Fox Searchlight, meanwhile, spent $17.5 million to acquire Nate Parker's Birth of a Nation, figuring that it was Oscar gold for sure this year. Too bad they didn't spend an extra $5 and check his rap sheet. Emma Stone looked elegant in her Roaring Twenties flapper gown. Congratulations again on winning an Oscar for starring in a musical when you can't sing or dance. Lin-Manuel Miranda didn't get his EGOT, but he will. 
Hey, maybe he did. Who gave it out? I don't know. Selma Hayek always looks gorgeous, so she's always a presenter, and yet she can never pronounce anything. She had trouble with the white helmet. Sophia Batella's hair was off to one side and very interesting, very Picasso this year. Yeah, the Academy says it celebrates diversity, but how come not one alien from Arrival was nominated? So Mel Gibson has been welcomed back by Hollywood. I guess anti-Semite is now a diversity group. This year's Oscars will long be remembered. What a colossal blunder. John Travolta is now off the hook. Rob Lowe and Snow White are now off the hook. I'd hate to be Faye Dunaway's personal assistant. And next year, expect the ballots to be tabulated by the accounting firm of Goldberg and Fishman on Ventura Boulevard in Reseda. And if this year the theme was diversity, next year it will be we don't give a shit who wins as long as we get it right. See you at the Emmys. Okay, that will do it for this year's Snarky Bitchy Oscar Review. Thanks very much for listening. A special thanks to Adam Butler, who put this thing together here hastily the last second so that we could get it out to you as soon as possible. Also, thanks to Susie Meister Butler, to Howard Hoffman, and to John Wolford, and to you guys for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And we're at episode nine, so there's other good stuff if you want to just go back and check out things that you missed before. Anyway, we will see you again. Thanks so much for listening to Hollywood and the Fire.